97.1 FM Talk Podcast. This hour of the Mark Reardon Show is sponsored by Gamma Tree Experts. Your trees deserve the best care. Call Gamma Tree Experts. Sue, do you watch the Yellowstone with Kevin Costner? I do not, and apparently I'm the only person who does not. Fred, you don't watch uh, it either, I right? don't. I'm the other one. So uh, there's I, two um, of us. My wife had been all caught up on this, and she cheated on me. And then when I had COVID in May, I decided to get caught up. So we're ready for yeah. the new season. Season five started last night it on the did. Paramount Network. And what we did last night, we decided, we, we talk about this all the time, and we actually did it. My wife was like, let's, because it was, there was football, and we're like, do we have the time to do this? Let's watch the final episode from last year. That's right? always a good plan. It is. Kind of, even though I watched it a few months ago, I was you know half sick, and I wanted to remind myself. So the challenge was finding it. <laughs> we're, so the Paramount Network, you got Paramount Plus streaming service. I was thinking it was on Paramount Plus, but then I remembered it's not on Paramount Plus, it's on Peacock. Why? Well, that makes complete sense. It's so confusing. <laughs> but then I was Googling some of this this morning, and I saw an article from our friends at CNET. You know, we love Ian Cher over there. And Joan Salzman is with us this afternoon. She wrote about this. She's an editorial director at CNET, and I guess a Yellowstone fan, Joan. Is that true? Can we say that? You know, over the course of reporting on all these streaming services <laughs> and the confusion around Yellowstone, I started watching it. So I don't like to align myself. I like to be unbiased, but I do watch it. I, I so like this show. It's a little, you know, it's kind of a soap opera, but Kevin Costner is great. And the character, uh, you know, that Beth, I can't remember the actress's name, but she's fantastic. People love her. But it does get confusing on where to find it. So the Paramount Network is different than Paramount Plus. Can you start with that? Explain why that is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the well, Paramount Network is your standard issue cable network that you can access by paying for pay TV, by having a cable subscription, satellite, um, or you can have one of these live channel services. People think of like Sling and YouTube TV where you're streaming it, but you're basically paying for like all those channels that you get, Paramount Network being one of them. Paramount Plus is the standalone streaming service that's owned by the same company, but it got caught up in this messy period of that company like changing its name and uh, kind of reinventing itself at the same time that there was this streaming war. And so it sold the rights to Yellowstone before when it was popular, but not the juggernaut that it is today. And so that's that's kind of the kernel of where all this confusion comes from. So how does Peacock get involved? So when I watched the episode from last season, and I think all the first four seasons are up on Peacock, isn't that NBC helped me out with that? Right, correct. So back before when Yellowstone was popular, but not quite this like phenomenon. Right. CBS slash Viacom, slash what is now known as Paramount Global, said, hey, we can get a lot of money if we license out this ser- this show to a streaming service that's willing to pay top dollar for it. And that's true. Peacock, which is owned by uh, Comcast, um, NBC, said, hey, we'll give you a lot of money. Let us exclusively stream Yellowstone after it's already aired on your cable network where you get all your advertising dollars for it and you get some other get some other money for it. And so at the time, the company that is now Paramount was like, that sounds like a great deal. Months later, they reinvented their streaming service as Paramount Plus. And as Yellowstone became this juggernaut, they started to realize that what they forced what the, the money that they took by licensing it out 
They're kind of forsaking now and being able to really attract people to their own streaming service, which is the natural place people right. would expect yeah, to go exactly. to stream it. Well, so yeah, there's always dollar signs involved, and that's, I think, the bottom line. But right now, if you want to watch, and we're going to watch the, the first episode, which is a two-hour episode of the new season tonight. We recorded it last night, but the only place really to do that the day of would be on Paramount Network. But then you can buy it, though, on Apple TV or Amazon day after, can't you? Just episode by episode? Yeah, yeah. So you have a lot of options. Most of the people that I write for are interested in how they can stream it. But as you say, you can go to one of what's known as EST, electronic sell through. That's like if you go to um, the Apple TV app, if you go to Amazon um, Prime, you can basically buy it episode by episode at a single, you know, per title price every week if that's what you would prefer. Did you watch the premiere last night? I didn't watch it last okay. night. Because I fell asleep at like seven o'clock. Because <laughs> uh, I'm I'm a mom. Ben, but, I get it. I get it. Yeah, we're gonna <laughs> dig in tonight and watch. Um, it was for me. It was fun because I kind of caught up on uh, about a season and a half, maybe even two seasons when I had COVID. So I'm you know kind of fresh in my mind. But it was still helpful to watch the end of of season four, and I'm looking forward to season five. It's just it's a comfort show. Really, I don't know that it would be in my top tier of shows, but Costner just Costner alone He's is very so comforting. good. Yes. in that particular role. All right. Well, Joan, thank you for clearing up all this confusion over you know yellowstone and hopefully people can figure it out from here and enjoy the new season thank you for having me all right take care that is joan salzman who's with cnet she is uh an editorial director and i don't know if that helped people or not but i do think i'm confused so where can i watch it it is kind of confusing if you want to watch the old seasons i can simplify it peacock you have to have peacock okay if you want to watch and i'm sure you can still buy all the seasons on you know apple iTunes too, but it would cost you more. Yeah, I don't like just buying the subscription. <laughs> yeah, well, right, Fred. Oh yeah, thank you. I'm right. Yeah, uh, Fred, you don't have. Right there. Do you have? Do you have Peacock? Uh, no, we don't. Yeah. So uh, you can also. I think I think, I think you can even order the DVDs, can't you? Probably. Is Peacock free if you do the ads? I don't. I, oh, maybe that's it, Fred. So I think I have that. it. If that's the case, then there are. Ads. Double check okay. that. All right, here we go. These allegations are deeply concerning. Does the president have any comment? We're not going to comment. It's not clear messaging. No, 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 no. And now Sue's news. Brought to you by Sue. Uh, first, I would like to mention Jay Leno, who was working in his garage. You know, he is an avid vehicle collector, car collector. And he has a show, Jay Leno's Garage. Um, and he was apparently working on the car on one of them, and it burst into flames. And it bur- unfortunately burned part of his face, the left side of his face. It didn't hurt his eye, I mean, or his ear. He's so... But uh, he is recovering from that and uh, was unable to make certain appointments, and he was supposed to come here. Is that right, Mark? Yeah. Which I, I didn't realize. I don't know if they've officially canceled, but he just when I Googled his name, the first thing that came up was he's supposed to be with Jeff Foxworthy at the Fox Theater this Friday night. And the TMZ story says that he has canceled all of his appearances. So my guess is, unless Foxworthy just takes that on his own, I suppose that's a possibility. But... The ticket holders would be notified. Yeah, it says that, to your point, he was badly burned, serious enough to be in the hospital, but it didn't, you know, it didn't affect his ears or his eyes. So and that's a big deal. Yeah, man, you know, scary. Uh, we hope that he's okay. And, uh, boy, he has a serious car collection, like crazy. And hopefully he will recover from that. On this day in history, 100 years ago, that's in 1922, even Mark and I could do the math on that. Barely. The BBC began its first radio broadcast in London. And, of course, here's what's always interested me. I find it 
mind-numbing that all they can come up with is BBC One, BBC Two, BBC Three. We can't... Really? Maybe that's easier. I guess it is easier than NBC, ABC, Paramount. You're right. After we went down that rabbit hole, maybe I should respect it more. But that was 100 years ago. And then 86 years ago in St. Louis, in 1936, the Jewel Box in Forest Park was dedicated. Love, love, love the Jewel Box. Abby, you've been to the Jewel Box. I believe I have, yeah. Are you sure? No. I think it's one of the things I've seen, but I'm not positive. You didn't do a field trip to it? Yeah, yeah nothing. You don't I, utilize Forest Park? I don't think I've Forest ever taken Park. a field trip to the Jewel Box. Well, you need to get out to Forest Park. It, it was designed by a man named uh, William Becker, who was a St. Louis engineer, and uh, it's a beautiful Art Deco design. It was considered the latest word in display greenhouses, according to the Post-Dispatch in the 30s. It's got those 50-foot glass walls. Do you remember? You know which one I'm talking about now that I say it, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was restored in 2002. I mean, Forest Park is a gem. If you do not get there, I had no idea to though, appreciate that. It went back that, that yeah, long. That, that does surprise me. Uh, Abby did something this weekend that I would like to hear more about. Abby, tell us about your friend who was trying to buy a lizard of some uh, sort. Yeah, my best friend has been looking into getting like a little leopard gecko, a little lizard friend. Uh, so we went to. The, I don't know if it's official name, but it was like a reptile convention. So there were snakes, there were little lizards, there were frogs, some turtles. Where was the uh, convention? It was in St. Charles, at the uh-huh. St. Charles Convention Center. Okay. Yeah. Did anyone say when you were walking in, here, lizard, 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 or anything like that? <laughs> Not that I heard, no. no. Okay. But I did get pretty close to a tarantula that was just in someone's hand, Ooh. and that was terrifying. I didn't hold it. I didn't get close enough to hold it, but... I've told Yikes. her it really only feels like Q-tips walking across your hand. I don't think Fred can handle no, that either. No, I wouldn't do that. Okay. No. Uh, and it's National Seatbelt Day. Seatbelts have been a requirement for not as long as you would think. New York was the first state to require them 38 years ago in 1984. And New Hampshire is the only state where it is still not mandatory for adults. Whoa. I didn't know that there was a state that yeah, said you don't either. need it. I well, remember this. What's surprising about that is that they, this is the way the federal government does this, is they, they mandate this in the sense that if the states don't comply, you don't often get federal highway Money. funds. So I'm not sure how oh, New Hampshire gets, uh, you know, gets around that. Do you remember, Fred and Mark, when it became a thing that you had to wear your seatbelt? Because before that, we were all free oh, and in easy. In my right. parents' car, we never, I don't even know no. if we had them in our parents' car. Oh, we probably did, but you didn't have to use it. <laughs> and I remember my saying to me, okay, you really have to buckle up. I'm like, why? I mean, it was ridiculous. Well, it was 1985 when Missouri did. I just looked this up. 1985 for Missouri. There is apparently still a situation where we are less likely to wear a seatbelt. It saves lives. I mean, this is provable. Uh, Everybody should be doing it if you're not. But apparently they... They have done a study that found if you take an Uber or a ride share, if you sit in the back seat, do you... Put on a seatbelt in the back seat. I'm not good about doing it. I do. Do you? Of course. Well, you're Fred. What about you, Abby? <laughs> I put my seatbelt on anytime I'm in a car. You even should. Even if it's parked. So <clears throat> I will admit that I'm not the best at doing that in when I'm with seat. people. But I'm not in people's back seats. But when I'm in an Uber, 
I definitely put it on because I've had too many Uber That's drivers that have scared point. the hell out of me. Yeah. So, yes. If okay. I'm with a friend, it doesn't make any sense because I should probably do it anyway, no matter what. But I'm really not in the back seat of a car very, very often, often outside of an Uber. Well, I get it. So they're just saying that you ought to be aware of that and buckle up. Actually, that's a good point, Mark, that you should do it. Uh, there was that awful plane crash on Saturday at the air show in Dallas. Uh, six people were killed. No spectators. So these were people in the planes. And it was two historic World War II era planes that crashed. One was a really rare P-63 King Cobra fighter plane that hit a B-17 flying fortress. And some witnesses are thinking that B-17 may have been in the Cobra's blind spot. And that what that's what happened. But the NTSB is out investigating a real tragedy. And there are only nine B-17s in the world that are still able to fly. These are the planes that our own Air Force used to drop bombs on Germany. So uh, for once, it's going to help that people were taking pictures and video from cell phones because that's how they're going to put it together. There are no black boxes in World War II era planes. I, I have not seen any of that video. I saw the picture. All I saw over the weekend was just a glimpse of the picture of the planes You know, after they had crashed on the ground. This happens every once in a while at these yeah. air shows. Oh, it doesn't happen a lot, but that's awful. frightening. Can you imagine just having the kids there watching oh. the air show? Debris fell. They're fortunate that nobody on the ground was actually injured. So were there, it was just three on each plane or? They didn't say the breakdown of who was where. that's just I think, yeah, it's not good. And uh, do you want me to do one more? Okay. And finally in Sue's news, we have today's random fact. Okay, fine. I was very hungry. Sorry, crowd, to disappoint. (laughs) (laughs) I was hungry when I looked this up. The world's largest dairy queen is in Saudi Arabia. The largest U.S. Dairy Queen is in Bloomington, Illinois. Ah. P.S. I would like some Dairy Queen. And that's it. (laughs) I couldn't even tell you where there's Dairy Queens around here anymore. Oh, I could. There used to be one in South County. There's one on on, on, (laughs) Hampton. There's one on... Yep. Eichelberger and Hampton-ish. Well, I guess it's further down, but yeah. What have you got? Right off of Bayless. Yeah. Oh. And Union. Oh, there's one in Webster right there. Oh, I love do you it. Like, do you like the, uh, like, they have pretty decent burgers and things like that, don't they? Oh, I'm like not Dairy above Queen, a You just get the, uh, the ice that. cream. All right, there you go. I'll get Dairy both. Queen. Free ads for Dairy Queen. 422. <laughs> Julie Kelly from American Greatness is coming up next. Kusumano later in the hour right here on St. Louis's home for conservative talk. 97.1 FM Talk. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Yeah, that's a great line there on the Dave Murray promo because it does change every day, it seems. And we were just wearing shorts, and it was 80 degrees. We had the air conditioner around last week, and now it's barely getting out of the uh, the 30s, unfortunately. Dave is on vacation. We would have had him on tonight to talk about some of the winter weather moving in, and it feels like it went from summer right to winter, no fall. That's really not true. We had a pretty good October around here, but, man. Can we slow down the cold temperatures? Uh, Jim Carfano, after the top of the hour, will talk about the three-hour meeting that the president had with the Chinese president today, uh, Selena Zito from the New York Post and Washington Examiner, and she was very confident of a midterm, you know, wave for the Republicans, and I was too, and Selena has some thoughts on what went wrong. 
Maybe Julie Kelly does as well from American Greatness. She is back with us this afternoon on St. Louis's Home for Conservative Talk. I actually invited her to talk about something related to January 6th, which is a, an interesting nugget. Julie, welcome back. How are you this afternoon? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Excellent. Let's start with the um, with the January 6th bombshell, because you, you reported on something last week, and it, I think, got lost in the shuffle more than just a little bit, right? Because I didn't really see any coverage of this, but this was fascinating. What did you discover? Well, it actually was a New York Times report of this bombshell that confirms, once again, FBI informants embedded in one of the alleged militia groups involved in the events of January 6th, and that is the Oath Keepers. So this trial has been ongoing since the end of September. The government really did not want to put this on trial, but here we are. And one reason why is because it forces the production of evidence related to FBI informants. Now, not only were there FBI informants embedded in the group, it was the vice president of the Oath Keepers, the number two, reporting directly to Stuart Rhodes, who is the founder and head of the group now on trial for seditious conspiracy. So the F- this FBI informant, the vice president of the Oath Keepers, were, was reporting back to the FBI months before January 6th. The question mark is doing what? What were right. these informants doing, Right. Were they doing what they did in the Whitmer Fednapping hoax, which is to engineer and concoct an entrapment scheme to make it look like, you know, white supremacist militia men loyal to Donald Trump were going to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer? Or were they really trying to collect intelligence and give it to the FBI? If that's the case, then why didn't they? So this raises a lot more questions than it answers. And, and I think it, it raises a lot more questions in November of 2022 than it probably would have even raised in November of 2021, knowing what we know about the Justice Department, some of the questions right now. By the way, I don't know. I, I just spent some time, Julie, talking about Chappelle on SNL. And <laughs> one of his lines was about the FBI saying, yep, uh, black folks knew about the FBI. We had questions. Now you white folks are finally catch, catching on. But to my point, there, there's not a lot of um, confidence in the way they're doing some of these investigations right now. Well, there should not be any confidence. And look, we continue to amass evidence that the Democrat, that the FBI acts as nothing more than the enforcement arm, the little Gestapo for the Democratic Party. Uh, And this is just one more example of that, because all of this is intended, Mark, to bolster Christopher Ray's phony narrative that these domestic violent extremists, i.e. Trump supporters, pose some sort of lethal threat to the country. So the Oath Keepers did nothing wrong on January 6th, but here they are on trial for seditious conspiracy. And now we find out that there were many FBI informants working with FBI agents directly um, and, and letting them know apparently what was going on in the Oath Keepers. This also is coming out in the Proud Boys trial. So this will be a trial that will take place in D.C. next month, another alleged militia. Well, the DOJ just dumped at the last minute hundreds of pages of documents related to the confidential human source program, the operation run into that group. So look, this is not a coincidence. It's clear that these informants are not there to get information and try to thwart legitimate domestic terror attacks. They are there taking direction from the FBI like they did in the Whitmer case um, to manufacture these these crimes and to probably in 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 this case sort of incite violence for political purposes that benefit democrats and sabotage donald trump and his supporters 
Well, let, let's kind of shift into some of the politics, and we'll, we'll get to Trump and the whole feud with DeSantis in a second. But what, what was your takeaway from the midterms? Look, I, I'll be very honest. I was in the camp that thought it was going to be a lot rosier than it ended up being, especially now that the Senate isn't even a question mark without Georgia, and the House is barely in the Republicans' majority. So they, you know, Kevin McCarthy or whoever might be Speaker of the House. What's your takeaway? What happened, Joe? That's like the main question right now. What the hell happened, right? <laughs> Uh, yes, I, that's a good question. I mean, I'm with you. I think all of us will, were shocked and stunned at the results. We really thought Tuesday night would be a celebration of Republicans not just taking the House, but taking it with a wide margin, hopefully picking up the one or two Senate seats that we needed to take over the Senate. None of that materialized. So, Mark, as I say, if the 2020 election was rigged and stolen, the 2022 election was given away by the Republicans. Because we were vastly outspent, vastly outmaneuvered in the ground game, especially about mail-in ballots. And, you know, this is uh, maybe another wake-up call. The real problem in politics today is the establishment Republican Party. Um, And you could talk a lot about candidate selection, who endorsed who. uh, But when you have a party apparatus that can't play the game that they helped create, especially about mail-in and absentee ballots, and you're going to lose. And the scary part is this is not going to get fixed. This reckless electoral apparatus is only going to get more reckless. So either Republicans figure out how to play the game and try to compete or we're not going to win any elections in the foreseeable future ever. Don't you think, I mean, look, I I think there's a lot of different reasons what for what happened last week. I do think that there are some issues about the quality of candidates in in some of these states, in Pennsylvania and Georgia in particular. Look, we were outspent here in Missouri four to one in our Senate race, but it really didn't matter. We had a good candidate, and Trudy Bush Valentine was someone who was not known to much of the state. So even though she dumped millions of her own money and the party did as well, it was... We did our job, I guess I would say, Julie, here in Missouri, holding on to that seat. Now, Mitch McConnell did dump a bunch of money into a lot of these states. You know, J.D. Vance in Ohio, um, there was a lot of money in Pennsylvania. So in your mind, though, what could they have done better to support these candidates? Well, if you go down the list, though, outside of what happened with J.D. Vance in Pennsylvania, certainly in Arizona, in Nevada, in New Hampshire, the Republican candidate was outspent three Four, five to one, I think, in the Blake Masters Mark Kelly race. I mean, that's just uh, you know insurmountable in the fact that especially someone like Blake Masters got within striking distance of Mark Kelly. And I know that race, you know, he has not conceded yet. Or the Paul, um, excuse me, Adam Laxalt race, um, you know, that they are so outspent and came within striking distance. But look, the big problem is the curating and then curing of male and absentee votes. This is not a sustainable, trustworthy system. No, it is not. And if that's not one of the takeaways from last week, I don't. then we're lost completely, right? Yes, absolutely. That is the huge takeaway. Um, but sadly, you know, these are state election laws, and you have states that now have gone completely Democratic. Right. Look, Michigan is not going to be competitive for Republicans anymore. And so that's, you know, something that Republicans are going to have to confront. You had sort of an anomaly in New York, but that was solely the power of Lee Zeldin and his candidacy and discussed in New York at what was ha- what's been happening there. Um, but Republicans blew this. They didn't just blow it here. They blew it in shoring up 
federal election and state election laws because they were afraid of being called election deniers. So now they're going to lose more power, lose more control because they're they're too afraid of being bullied and intimidated by the media and the Democratic Party. Julie Kelly, senior contributor to American Greatness. My next question, really not a question, it's just a comment. I'm going to say, Julie Kelly, DeSantis, Trump cage match. Go. <laughs> oh, no comment. Oh, no come on. That. So is there going to be an announcement from the president tomorrow? We're, we're expecting it that, right? It looks like it. It yeah. looks like it. I mean, all indications he's been he's going to run. He's been planning on running. Ron DeSantis, I'm a big fan of his. I spent a lot of time in Florida. Um, you know, I, part of me thinks he's not ready. Part of me hopes he stays as governor in Florida for a number of reasons. Um, but look, you know, as they say in Chicago, politics ain't beanbag. If Ron DeSantis wants to take on Trump, this is what you're going to deal with. So uh, get used to it early, I yeah. suppose. Well, when you say that he's not ready, the one thing that I've said, I like DeSantis quite a bit, and, and I would like to see him emerge from all this maybe on top. But to your point, look, he's 44 years old. He's been not really tested nationally. This is very early. People are kind of grasping at someone who's done very well in Florida. But running for president, that's a different animal. It's a totally different animal, and I completely agree with you. He's a young man. He's 44. He has a wife who just, you know, dealt with cancer, about with cancer. He's got three young children. Um, you know, he, he's got time. And I, I do think, you know, what they did to Trump, they're going to do to DeSantis. And they're already sort of, you know, we're seeing that play out in some of the ridiculous media coverage of him. Um, the difference is Trump was used to that. Right. Because he was a celebrity and a businessman, et cetera. Ron DeSantis, this is going to be a whole new world for him. So my fear is that uh, he might be jumping the gun a little too early. Now, that might work. You know, we're sort of tired of geriatric candidates. So so that might work to his advantage. Um, But look, it's going to it's going to be ugly. And you could see that Trump is not pulling any punches early on. Well, and the age factor is interesting because obviously there are challenges definitely on the Democrat side. But even with with Trump, he's getting up there to the point where I, I don't know if that's going to be something that people take a take a look at closely. Julie Kelly, it's always great to have you on. I appreciate coming back here. Our mutual friend Vance Crow was listening this afternoon. So we'll see Good. what happens with hey, the Vance. cage match. Hi, Vance. We love you. You put us in touch. Thank you, Julie. Great to talk again. All right. Type you suit. Thanks. Kusumano coming up next. We'll talk a little sports. What a day in the NFL yesterday. And we got our first soccer game here at the new stadium on Wednesday. It's going to be perfect soccer weather, about 18 degrees. (laughs) Carafano coming up after the top of the hour. President Biden met with the Chinese president three hours. We'll get his takeaway on that and some of the election stuff as well. Selena Zito from the New York Post and the Washington Examiner. She is so dialed into politics and just like many of us, she missed Everything with Pennsylvania, her home state, and the midterm. She'll kind of do a diagnosis in the next hour. We visit every Monday and Friday afternoon at this time with KSDK Sports Director Frank Cusimano. He's with us. How are you, Frank, this afternoon? Good to be with you, Mark. I was um, I was taking a nap on Saturday afternoon in between trips to my deer stand, and I came in at one point, and it was 28-24, to 24, Tennessee only winning by four points. Uh, it didn't quite end that way. <laughs> I went out to the deer stand that afternoon and saw the final come in. What happened in the last quarter there, Frank? Well, first of all, Josh Heupel has a great team. And Josh Heupel wants to stick it to Mizzou every chance he gets. In the last three years, they've beaten Mizzou by a combined 103 points. And he made it 42 on Saturday. He ran it up a little bit. And you know what? Sometimes they say, well, you're going to, 
you're going to, it's going to be a bad payback for you one day. I don't know if Mizzou will ever be able to pay back Josh Heupel when he's at Tennessee because he's got that thing up and running. They draw 102,000. They have a great NIL thing going with their student athletes, and he is a good football coach. So it's just not a good matchup, and he's just going to stick it to Mizzou every chance he gets. Well, and I did watch a, a fair portion of the game early before it got ugly, and our defense seemed to be doing pretty well. So I, I don't know if the play calling just got more creative and we couldn't keep up or what happened there, but obviously the offense is been challenged all year but still you have a team in in a weird way that could eventually make a bowl this season yeah they're going to beat new mexico state and it's going to come down to that auburn game they'll go into that game five and six i'm not auburn excuse me but arkansas Arkansas. and if they beat arkansas then they'd be bowl eligible i will say this uh brady cook has taken a lot of heat this season and i'm not saying he's a great quarterback but he was the best player on the field for the University of Missouri in Knoxville. He rushed for over 100 yards. He was very efficient throwing the football. There was a lot of people to blame, and Brady Cook is not one of them. Hey, did you? I was back from Howard County yesterday for the second half of the early games, and then the late game. I mean, that Bills-Vikings game, the Packers game yesterday, that was another outstanding day in the NFL. It really was. In fact, the Bills-Vikings game was the best game I've seen all season long. When you think about it, all they got to do is push it across. They're a half yard from the goal line. Kirk Cousins can't score. And then the very next play, Josh Allen fumbles. And, you know, not to mention Justin Jefferson may have made, the, you know, the catch of the decade with that one-handed grab. Oh, and Josh incredible. Allen throws another costly pick. It was a great game, and then the Packers come back, beat Mike McCarthy on his return trip to Lambeau, which was exciting as well. And I see, you know, I was a little tuned out over the weekend, but the Blues have won two in a row? Yeah, and I'm telling you, Saturday night, you just went into Las Vegas, the team that had won nine in a row, the best team in the Western Conference, and you played a great first two periods. Then in the third, you went back to your old ways. But hold on a second. Jordan Biddington says, I got you guys and he makes 22 saves to preserve the victory. And, look, we shouldn't be spiking the ball. They're still a last-place team as we speak. But if they win at Colorado and go back-to-back of Vegas and Colorado, well, I think we could pull a Frank Costanza and say they're back, baby. You know, Well, let's hope so. This should be serious business. Yeah, we'd hate to see this whole season kind of slide away too early, and I still have hopes that they're going to be back on track. they got a busy week, though, don't they? they got the Blackhawks, Colorado tonight, Blackhawks, and I think a third game, don't they? They do, and that third game, in fact, I have it in front of me right now, is going to be Washington on Thursday. So Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and then Saturday against Anaheim at home. Anything else over the weekend that I might have missed sports-wise, Frank? Um, well, you know, um, St. Louis University, the bad news is the women's soccer team, which was so good, got upset by Memphis. The good news is the men's team got their 50th NCAA invitation. No soccer program in the history of America has gotten 50 invitations to the NCAA tournament. They're going to host Memphis on Thursday night in the first round. And then another slew Memphis matchup on Tuesday night. It'll be the biggest basketball game of the season uh, so far for slew as uh, Penny Hardaway brings his mega talented Tigers to uh, shave at 8 o'clock game on national television Tuesday night. Oh, that's going to be awesome. And, of course, Mizzou, they're 3-0. and Look at that. They beat Lindenwood. <laughs> yes. And you know what? I don't have any problem. I talked with Coach Gates today. I got no problem with them scheduling really, really soft these first seven games. Because after that, it's going to be the Illinois and the Kansases and that brutal FCC schedule. He's got a completely new team. 
He's got guys that have never known each other before, so why not win six or seven? You got to get some victories. No, no, you season. do. Look, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, yeah, Wichita State coming up. That's going to be tough. All right, Kusamon, we'll talk on Friday afternoon. Have a great week. Hopefully, after a few more Blues victories. Let's hope so. All See right. You, Mark. Take care. We've also been chronicling the um, the national champion field hockey team from Northwestern <laughs> yeah. University because yes, of Sue's have. niece. Yes. And, and quite honestly, this is exciting because if you go back to last year, Sue was infectious with, with your you know interest in watching Sophie, your niece, and they end up winning the national championship. Cool. I think it happened when we were on the air on a Friday afternoon. So then they have the Big Ten championships. They don't finish first in that, but what happened over the weekend? Well, Ben, we went to the semifinals. Uh, uh, this is all Division One, and it was in... In Evanston, and we won in double overtime in a shootout. So I just about, uh, everybody was pins and needles, and they've made it to the final four of the NCAA tournament. They will play on Friday. We will watch it here. So they can they can repeat as national they champions. They could, but they're taking on Maryland again, and we'll see what happens. The number one team is North Carolina, and uh, we think they may pass to the finals. We'll have to see. Yeah, but just to make it to the <gasps> final four again, it's right? It's so exciting. And where is it? Sophie Thomas, uh, Connecticut, and okay. I don't know where. I'll have to look up where. And in that's your brother's. Um, your brother's are Jeff, yeah. who I met Jeff's... and played golf with over correct, the uh, summer. Correct. Yeah, that is great. That's really. And he, you were telling me the other day, like I can't even imagine, like if my daughter or my sons were involved in something like that. He's just on pins and needles. Oh, right? he's just. He's. We're so competitive anyway. It's well, just sure. out of. That's fun though. So he's trying to restrain himself. I love it. I love it. All right, we got the um, third hour of the show coming up. I mentioned Carafano and Selena Zito. Let's talk about Spain just a little bit because we are taking the show. This is a good time to talk about. Here, I'm going to solve your holiday gift giving needs. Just take the family or your wife or your husband to Spain with 97.1 FM Talk. If you go to defineddestinations.com, you'll find all the information out about the trip. We've been talking about this for a while. Mike Kenny is my friend with Define Destinations. I traveled to Italy with Mike with a group of listeners in 2011. He knocked it out of the park. And after that, he was with a different company. He goes out on his own. I've been tracking him on Facebook, some amazing trips. And over the summer, I said, I think it's time to go back to Spain. I was there in 1983 when I was in high school. I was a senior at Parkway West. We took a class trip and I fell in love with it. Have not been back. I've been back to Europe many times, but never to Spain. So we start in Madrid. We leave on April 23rd. Um, We head to Barcelona. We've got great airfare secured on Lufthansa. We'll go to Germany first. And because of that direct flight, you get a better pricing here from St. Louis. If you're outside of St. Louis, they can hook you up with different airfare as well. But the pricing is excellent. It's going to be an epic trip in April, the 23rd through the 30th, a week in Madrid and Barcelona. Get signed up today. Make your reservations or at least investigate and do some homework at defineddestinations.com. Get more at 971talk.com.